welcome to the sixth episode of The Morning Rage. I'm your host, Jen Prentice. And I'm your co-host, Lauren O'Keefe. This is not your mom's morning show. It's a space where we pop off about all things culture, society, and politics in order to help you unpack your beliefs, feel more confident in sharing your voice, and today, talk about where we go as a society, as the church, as Christians, in light of the riots that took place at the Capitol on Wednesday, January 6th. This episode is going to be a bit different from our usual format. Rather than popping off about something newsworthy and transitioning into a different serious conversation, we are going to spend the whole episode talking about what's going on in our country right now. How we got here, where we go from here as individuals, as a nation, and as a church. So I think it's important up front to mention that this episode is going to be mostly geared towards our Christian listeners, as this issue is something that we as Christians really need to address. If you are not a Christian, we very much invite you into this conversation as there is a seat for everyone at this table, but we will mostly be speaking to those that call themselves Christians. With that in mind, and because this is a complicated issue that needs to be approached with humility, we are going to take a play from The Bachelor, Matt James' playbook, and start this episode with a prayer. Yes, well said, Lauren. Jesus, we just come before you with grieving hearts and humble spirits. We confess that we do not have the answers when it comes to religion, politics, and how to unify our very divided country, but you do. We ask that above all else, that we might say in this podcast that our hearts to love all people and show them your love will shine through. I hope that we don't ever point a finger at others without first examining our own hearts and actions, my own hearts and actions. May my heart, my actions always point people back to you. I know that that's Lauren's prayer to heal our brokenness, both as individuals and as a country. Amen. Amen. So since we've just taken you guys to church, um, (laughs) I'm going to do a little confession now to, I confess that I've never really been more nervous in recording an episode or saying anything publicly. Yes. And if you, uh, yes, I, I think I had to go to the bathroom at least three times before we started this episode because I was nervous. I just peed my pants right now. <laughs> it's like, I'm about to go on a real big roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. I am. If you could see us in our little, uh, pod, our garage pod, yes, our garage pod, mm-hmm. you would see that we are shaking. <laughs> but I will also say that I really feel like something in me broke Mm -hmm. on Wednesday, and I'm not sure that I'm ever going to be the same. I am still processing through why Wednesday was such a turning point and not anything else that has happened over the last year or even the last four years, but it was. I agree. I mean, I'm definitely still unpacking it all, but it feels more important than ever to speak up and to not be silent. And I think more than anything, that's what Wednesday did for me personally it made me feel like all right this has gotten to a place where it's not just convenient to stay silent anymore and that's why we started this podcast yes absolutely was so that we could share our voice and encourage other people to share their voice and as lauren pointed out at the beginning this episode is geared towards people who call themselves christians Mm -hmm. And if you are not a Christian, we still hope that you'll listen. We welcome you into this conversation. But this episode is geared towards Christians. I think it is important to point out a few other things before we start this episode. First, Lauren and I are Christians. We believe in the personhood of Jesus and the life that he lived and his death and his resurrection and his ability to save us for eternity. 
That is very true. We are very open about that. We were raised Christians, but we definitely both had our own journeys of choosing this relationship with Jesus for ourselves, which I think is very important as well. But we are not and never have been Trump supporters. And that's something that we've both been able to talk openly about, which I don't think we can talk openly about with a lot of people that share those views, though I know there's a lot of us out there in the world. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people who are Christians, have chosen their faith for themselves, but feel very timid about talking about the fact that they are not Trump supporters, Mm -hmm. they did not vote for him, and they do not support what is coming out of his administration. In fact, we've been appalled, I have, by most of what I've witnessed coming out of the Trump administration, and pretty baffled by the way that Christians have reacted to Trump, idolized him, his politics, you know, over the last four years, and we're seeing that even more so in the last couple weeks. You know, what happened on Wednesday was a tragic reminder of what happens when we put our faith in a person or a political party or even a specific ideology. I felt angry at what was happening on Wednesday, what was happening at the Capitol to our democracy, felt a little ragey. Mm, We like rage over here. (laughs) The fact that Trump had provoked these people and openly supported this type of conduct throughout his presidency without much condemnation from his party, and especially not any from the Christian community. Been quite rare to see that. Besides the raginess, (laughs) I also felt just saddened by what was going on, just grieving for our nation. I especially was grieving for what Black Americans must be going through, watching all of these white people just get away with doing things that people of color would most likely be killed for. We literally just watched this happen six months ago where there were peaceful protests and they quickly turned violent because the National Guard was called, because extra security measures were taken. And to see that not happen now, it, you know, really just makes me saddened for the future of our country. I'm not really sure where we go from here or like how we pick up the pieces, but it feels really important that we at least try to and not continue to be apathetic about what's going on in the country. Yeah, I honestly thought the contrast between what was done to people at the Black Lives Matter protests, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that everything everyone did at the Black Lives Matter protests, you know, there were some rioters at those protests, but by and large, those were peaceful protests Mm -hmm. where our president himself said that he was going to come in and allow shooting to take place. Yeah, he sent in the National Guard to places where their governor said don't come, the mayor said don't come, we don't want National Guard here and he sent them anyways but right outside the capitol building open forum and i think that come in white people but black people will kill you if you try and i mean how jarring to watch this come full circle from what happened this year somehow it didn't feel surprising to me and that was even more sad yeah there are a few other things that we want to point out before we keep going with this episode. This episode is not about casting blame. No. It's about creating space for reflection in our hearts and hopefully in yours too. Now is the time for healing and personal reflection and action on our parts, on my part. I don't want to point the finger at you, you, you without first pointing it back at me, me, me. Yes, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This is a lot of little pieces that have come together over time to get us to where we are right now. So we're gonna take the rest of this episode to talk about a few reasons why we think we arrived at this place in our nation's history and a few things we can all do to move forward and help our nation heal and try to ensure that this doesn't happen again. It's really easy to look at what happened on Wednesday or even what's been happening in our country over the last four years and turn a blind eye or even throw up our hands in frustration and say, things are too far gone, there's nothing I can do. 
I think we can see that that is not something that we have the privilege to do anymore. It's important that we find ways to move forward and, as cliche as it sounds, make our world and our communities and our churches a better place. We're hoping that today we can give you a few very clear actions that you can start to take immediately and move forward in a way that feels true to you and beneficial to the people around you. Absolutely. One of the things that we say a lot on this podcast is that it's important to understand the history of an issue and how we got to where we are today. It's important to do your research. So let's talk a little bit about how we got here first. I was reading an article in The New Yorker from 2018, I think, on a woman named Karen Swallow Pryor. She is a former English professor at Liberty University who I follow on Instagram. A couple of my friends who went to Liberty had her as an English professor. They deeply respect her. I deeply respect those friends. And I really, really appreciate her voice in speaking out, honestly, against evangelical Christians who have turned a blind eye to Trump and white supremacy and all the things that are really wrong within the Christian church today. In the article, she talked about how much of what we see in modern Christianity actually has its roots in the Victorian age Hmm. in Europe when they began to use Christianity as a tool of imperialism. And if you're wondering, what is imperialism? Mm -hmm. It is, by definition, a policy of extending a country's power and influence through diplomacy or military force. So in Europe in the Victorian age, they wanted to piggyback political laws and extend their power, roping in Christianity and saying basically, this is the Christian thing to do. This is what the Bible says. We are called to do these things and enact these laws and these policies because this is what the Bible says and this is what a Christian would do. I mean, how many times throughout history have we seen that in action, whether it be from monarchies with the Christian or religious powers that be surrounding them, all of the influence that plays into that. It's all very entangled for most of our history. Some really terrible things have been done in the name of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lauren, you and I have some good friends who talk about that a lot. They they are not Christians and they bring this up to us all the time that they can't ignore the really terrible things that have been done in the name of Jesus or the yes. name of Christianity throughout history. And I don't want to ignore those things either. And I don't want to ignore the really horrible thing that happened on Wednesday, January 6th at the Capitol, where I saw a lot of people, a lot of people holding signs that said Jesus saves and co-opting Jesus's name along with what Trump has done to our nation over the last four years. And I can't sit here anymore. And I don't think that Christians can sit here anymore and say, well, that's not the Jesus I know. And that's not what I believe. And just sit idly by and say, oh no, those people are different. No, for better or worse, those people have co-branded Jesus mm-hmm. with Christian nationalism and Trumpism. And it is now our responsibility, those of us who don't agree with it, it's our responsibility to speak out and say, this is wrong and I'm not going to let it continue. Yes. So getting back to the article on Karen Swallow Pryor, I got a little emotional <laughs> there. A lot of what people call biblical Christianity, many of the things in the Christian church, Catholicism, even evangelical Christianity today, the things that they espouse about gender roles, they don't actually have their roots in the Bible, but in Victorianism. And that's just one example. We are like skimming the surface here of the church and politics and religion and that history. But Lauren, I know to continue to skim the surface, you did a little research on the roots of Christianity being used as a political tool in the United States. I did. I kept going back to this thought in my mind. At what point did Christianity become so tightly aligned with the Republican Party? When did that specifically happen? Because I know that is not an age 
age old story, and it's not. The alignment of Christians with a political party, any political party, only really began in the US in the early 1980s. Politicians realized that if they crafted their platform to align with what was most important to white evangelicals, they could secure a large population that would be loyal to vote Republican. To add to that, you had a number of influential Christian figures backing this political shift to the Republican Party. And tell me that that was not because they saw the power and influence that they could have politically by navigating the church and white evangelical Christians in this type of political forum that maybe they didn't have room to play in in the past. Yeah, there's no doubt that our nation, people say this, and I don't actually know how quote-unquote Christian some of the founding fathers were, but people <laughs> like to argue that we were a Christian nation. We've always been a Christian nation. I think that's up for debate, but I do think that there is a large Christian population in the United States, and it is bothersome that politicians have seen that and used that as a means to get power. Yes, it was highly successful in the Reagan administration in electing Ronald Reagan. That was kind of the first test of this white evangelical population and movement, and it was highly successful for them. And that is what most politicians base their strategies on for the next years to come is what worked in the past. And that has been something they have held to for the past 40 years. So what started as political propaganda to pander to the white evangelical voter has led to a full loyalist movement of what they now call the Christian right. With this last election, some of the exit polling showed that currently about 80% of people who call themselves Christians consistently vote Republican, and they will continue to vote with the Republican Party no matter who the candidate is. More and more people are now even deciding they no longer want to be part of any religion and walk away from their faith for political reasons, no longer aligning with the quote-unquote Christian right, while the faith of white evangelicals in the Republican Party remains steady. This can only be looked Looked at as honestly an atrocity. I, and it really gets me very ragey. <laughs> very appropriate. <laughs> I mean, how can we sit here silent while this tool of politics continues to divide us to the point where folks can more easily walk away from God and their own faith before they will consider that they can be both a Christian and vote with any other political party? This is what the Christian community and the church should be much more concerned with than anything the other party has the power to do. Mic drop. So we know that throughout the history of the world, religion has been used as a tool to spread political power closer to home. We know that presidents in recent history have used a Christian faith and morals and values to gain power. And it's important that we know that history. I think that there are a few other things that lead us to Trump being elected as president and the atrocities that we saw on January 6th. Our society, our culture has really shifted in many ways in many non-faith-based ways mm -hmm. too. As presidents have used religious ideologies to get elected and gain power, we have become a nation that desperately clings to our political identities. Yes. We cling to our various identities in general, whether that's political or religious or otherwise. We are such an individualistic society. We place a high value on success, on making a name for ourselves, rather than looking at ourselves and our communities and our nation more collectively and realizing that we need to show love 
to our fellow man and woman, whether that's because of the love that Jesus has shown us, or if you are not religious, simply because that is what it takes to be a decent human being who contributes to society. Yes. This has led us really to a blind eye to injustice and corruption because we either think, you know, it doesn't affect us or we ignore the injustice and corruption because it is actually serving us in some way, which is scary. Scary. We are a culture that values influencers and power over influencing and positively impacting the lives of people around us. I mean, on a national scale, we see someone in a mob of rioters waving a flag that says Jesus saves and Christians say nothing or they turn a blind eye because they think, oh, they must be Christians that, you know, in the name of Jesus. So I can't publicly call them out because then I'm saying something about Christians in general. But in our own neighborhoods and churches, most Christians have no problem speaking out against other Christians in their own congregations to leave the church when they get a divorce or come out as gay. I mean, this is the hypocrisy that the world is watching and saying, why would I want to be a part of that? I don't know why you would want to be a part of that, honestly. That's not Jesus. Mm -mm. I believe in the separation of church and state, but I think what a lot of Christians actually want, especially the Christians that we saw out there Mm -hmm. with their Jesus saves signs, is religious prioritization. A clear separation of church and state only when it benefits them. And that is also wrong. Absolutely. I mean, why have we let politicians turn our faith political? Political stances are not written about in the Bible. We cannot say one way or another, though a lot of Christian leaders and teachers attempt to speak for God on this issue, how Jesus would vote in an election or which political party he would side with. There are absolutely issues on both sides of the political divide that warrant the attention and support from a biblical perspective. Yes. Being a good steward of the earth, advocating for justice of the marginalized, serving and loving those who are different from ourselves. There's nothing in biblical teaching about fighting for our independent freedoms, more so the opposite. This is a type of nationalism that has more to do with fighting for our own personal interests and our fragile pride than in the interests or unified pride of our nation. Absolutely. We are an individualistic society that prioritizes ourselves and our freedoms and rights. I'm using air quotes here. You can't (laughs) see me, but I'm using air quotes over the good of all people. Mm. I think that any policy should be rooted in love for all people. And obviously there are debates on what the quote unquote good of all people looks like on both sides of the aisles. That's where you have to do your individual research and vote your conscience. But the more disturbing thing is that we have started to separate the person who we are electing and their character Mm -hmm. from their policies and kind of say, oh, I like these policies that they're promising, but I don't like them as a person, but I'm going to separate those things out. I mean, I remember when Bill Clinton was president Mm -hmm. and that's when the moral majority became a thing because the quote unquote moral majority wanted Bill Clinton out of office because he was an immoral person. Mm -hmm. Well, where is that moral majority now? Yeah. Where was that moral majority four years ago whenever we had video of President Trump joking on TV Mm -hmm. about the things that he would do to women? Where's that moral majority? That is a very good question. And I think that's been the part that has been so hard for me 
in understanding how a majority of Christians not only support this president and all of the things that he does, ignore all of the negative things that he's done, and also even scarier, actually believe that this man has been ordained by God to be our president. That is slightly terrifying to think that those same people that were calling on Bill Clinton to be out of office for having an affair also do not care about the morality of the man that we elected as president. Nope. They wanted him to put their Supreme Court justices in place, Mm -hmm. and they wanted him to put policies in place that supported their worldview. I think what you said is so important that we can't separate a person's policies from who they are as a person. The president is a figurehead, first and foremost. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, he has much more power and influence behind a microphone to either unify or divide a nation even more than he has power over policy. We're just turning a blind eye to who a person is as long as he or she is willing to go above and beyond to solidify our own personal worldview and the issues that are important to us. But another question we need to be asking ourselves is how are we constructing our worldview in the first place? Well, this is slightly frightening and we are all guilty of doing this. Oh, absolutely. Um, I am pointing a finger back (laughs) at me right here more than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, here's the issue. We create these ideologies in our own minds of what we believe and we solidify those so they cannot be tested or questioned. Then we consume news and media from sources which back our own beliefs and support our ideas. And we do this constantly. I, I notice I do it all the time. I feel a certain leaning towards a issue, a policy, a belief system. Then I look towards new sources, do some research, but I'm gearing all that research towards my own ideas in order to back myself up in some way. And then we all do this to the point where none of our beliefs can be questioned. There's no room to allow for conversation and healthy debate with others who think differently. I mean, don't you think this is how we've gotten into this fragile place we all are that everyone's so easily offended. Absolutely. And the media plays a huge role in this. Oh, they do. Because they construct a narrative for us. Absolutely. Fox News had a very different narrative of what happened at the Capitol on Wednesday than other media outlets. Now, Fox News had the only differing narrative. And I think that's something that you do really start to question whenever only one media outlet is reporting a different narrative than all the other media outlets, even other conservative media outlets. Absolutely. We have lost the ability to live in nuance and think for ourselves. We want to get our news and our religion from influencers and sound bites, and we want it tied in a little bow and served to us mm-hmm. on a plate where our foods don't touch. And believe me, <laughs> I don't like my foods to touch, so I get it. But we don't want our faith or our politics, but more specifically our faith. Mm-hmm. We don't want our faith to disrupt any other areas of our lives. And you know what? Jesus was disruptive and he was nuanced. Oh, yes. And I think that concept that we cannot have contradicting thoughts, especially in politics right now, where you're like, well, that doesn't fit in with my other beliefs. So I'll take the one that's the easiest to consume, knowing that all my other beliefs won't be messed up by it. And we don't question anything because we like when everything sits nice and pretty in our minds and we don't have to think too much about it. And that, I think, is largely how we've gotten Mm -hmm. where we are, is we are listening to the loudest voices 
voices in the room. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, in Christian circles, the loudest voices are the white male Trumpers right now. Yes, it's incredibly true. So let's do a quick recap of what we've discussed, because this is heavy and a lot to take in. We really only skimmed the surface of the history behind religion and politics, and we recognize that. But the things that we want to have as takeaways is that we cling too tightly to our individuality and our individual freedoms and our political identities. Yes. We also have turned a blind eye to injustice when it doesn't affect us directly or even worse, when the injustice serves us in some way. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe the last thing is we are far too easily swayed by the appearance of power and influencer culture. And we glom on to the influencers and politicians who support our own worldview, regardless of who they are as people. And this past four years has shown us just how dangerous that can be. I want to point out the last reason that I think we got here, and that's we, and I mean Christians who don't support Trump and who don't support this traditional evangelical Christianity, or maybe I should say Victorian Christianity ideology. I think we're scared to speak up. I have been scared to speak up. I have literally had conversations with friends in the Mm -hmm. last few weeks and months where I have felt scared to speak up because as a church, when we don't agree with someone on the other side of an issue, we are silencing them. We can't change policy without changing hearts. And Christians aren't changing hearts with the way that they're acting right now. Because my non-Christian friends, your non-Christian friends, Lauren, I know this because we have had conversations together with a lot of our non-Christian friends. They are looking at everything that's happening in the last four years and saying, I want nothing to do with your Jesus. And that's heartbreaking. And I don't want to be silent on what we are getting wrong as the church and as Christians anymore. It's a really tough discussion and obviously one that we take great care in speaking about. The thing that's really upsetting and difficult is that we, as Christians, as the church, have allowed politics and politicians to use us and our Christian beliefs as a weapon against their own self-interests, against what they want to gain politically, against the power that they want to have, that's not okay. That's not right. And the fact that we feel like we have to align with a political party as a part of our spiritual faith is pretty ridiculous. We've in turn, and when we say we, and when we say Christians, and when we say the church, we know that this is not everyone. I do think that there are really two churches out there right now. There's the church, quote unquote, the church that we saw holding the Jesus save signs at the Trump riots. Mm-hmm. And and there is this smaller, quieter Christian church that does realize that we are getting things wrong and we are maybe wielding Christianity as a weapon against these politicians and saying, hey, we've got the Christian vote. You do this for us. You know, you scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. And there is a large faction of the church that stands against that too. And that's where we're coming from. So I don't want to just lump all Christians and the whole church in here. I do think that there are still really beautiful and really good things about Christians and the church and faith. And that's why we're having this conversation. So where do we go from here? I think it starts with us as individuals. We lament and we honestly evaluate the ways that we are complicit in the things that are wrong with our society, our culture, our political systems, and our beliefs. What does it mean to lament? Yeah, that's a word that has been 
thrown around a lot in 2020 and now in 2021. We've brought it into 2021 with us. We brought everything apparently into 2021 with us. We really have. (laughs) And I think we need to turn it around. (laughs) I actually first started hearing the word lament when I was doing a lot of listening and learning around racial injustice. Mm -hmm. And the dictionary definition is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. It's really important whenever we are thinking about our history of racial injustice in America, Mm -hmm. that as white people that we do lament and grieve with our black brothers and sisters over what has happened to them and honestly what continues to happen. I did talk with a couple of my black friends on Wednesday and just said I'm so sorry because I know. I know that if this was black people storming the Capitol, that it would have gone very differently. Yeah. But I don't think in this case of what happened at the Capitol on January 6th that we only lament the racial injustice. And the contrast. And the contrast. We also lament and evaluate how we are complicit in what's going on in our nation. So for me, I am honestly lamenting the fact that I can think of very specific conversations where I have not spoken up more and been more vocal about the injustice and the hatred that we are seeing in the Trump administration and in parts of the church. Not all of the church, like I said earlier, but unfortunately in the more in-your-face vocal parts of the church. Mm -hmm. I also think that we take action on the things that matter to us. For me, that probably means working on getting a community review board in place for our town that helps really look at how we are prosecuting people in the criminal justice system in our town and working towards more restorative justice. It also probably means starting the process of maybe becoming, I'm scared to say this, but maybe becoming foster parents or even adoption. Because if I care about the lives of all people, then my own life needs to speak louder than the words that are coming out of my mouth. Beth Moore was on Latasha Morrison's Be The Bridge podcast a few weeks ago. And she said this, and I cannot get it out of my mind. She said, our mouth cannot overshoot our heart or our duplicity is going to be exposed. I'm going to say that again because I need to be reminded of it more than anyone. Our mouth cannot overshoot our heart or our duplicity is going to be exposed. Wow. On a much smaller scale, I do think that taking action means teaching my children about injustice and how it threatens all of us, but especially the poor and marginalized. Raising my boys to be the type of boys who have a relationship with Jesus first, not just abide by the rules of westernized Christianity, but kids who have a relationship with Jesus, who understand what it means to show other people his love. Yes. So the last thing that I think we can do to really take action, and again, we are speaking to Christians here, Mm -hmm. is that we pray and we take the teachings of Jesus seriously, that we actually read the Bible, that we don't read books written about the Bible, that we actually read the Bible. I am really committed this year to reading the Gospels and the book of Acts on a loop all year because I want Jesus and the original intention for the Christian church to be the loudest thing that I hear. I wanna sit with my own biases I want all of us to sit with our own biases, but I'm going to sit with my own and be honest about where my heart needs to change. And I hope that people are scrutinizing me as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I welcome that because Christians should be held to a higher standard. Absolutely. So I welcome people scrutinizing me and telling me the areas that they think that I'm getting it wrong. And that is where I need to then turn back to prayer and scripture and reflection. But at the end of the day, I also 
I honestly hope that people see me striving after a life that shows the love of Jesus. And we open this episode with prayer. And I want to close this out with some of the lyrics to a song called Dear Me by Nicole Nordeman. We're going to link to the whole song in the show notes. I heard this song in 2017 when I was just kind of at the start of my journey of unpacking my faith and how it intersects with society and culture and politics. And I'm starting to cry because it is still one of my favorite songs. And I'm going to share some of the lyrics here. And I'm probably going to cry again, but that's okay. Do it, girl. Dear me, this is a letter to the girl I used to be. Dear me, there are some things that you should know. It's not my intention to embarrass or to shame you. What's inside the rearview mirror is closer than it appears. We do the best that we know how with what we have been given, and the difference between you and me is I've been given time. Remember all the rules we made about the body and the blood and the hoops that we made them jump through, though he offers it to everyone. I'm so sorry. There's nothing that you can do or say to separate you from the love of God who made you exactly as he meant to. And you cannot imagine all the places that you'll see Jesus, but you will find him everywhere you thought he wasn't supposed to go. So go and sit at all the tables because Jesus eats with everyone. And that is the cry of my heart. Thank you, Jen. We really want to thank you all for joining us and coming with open hearts and minds to have this very difficult but very important discussion. You know, we're still working through all of this and we're sure that you are too. We hope that this episode creates some space for further prayer and reflection as to what steps we can all take next to show the love of Jesus in our communities, in our churches, and as a nation. And we really would love your feedback, even from those who disagree with some of the things that we've said on this episode. You can message us on Instagram at The Morning Rage. We truly feel that life's too short to stay silent. And we're really grateful that you raged with us today.